Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and it is a pleasure to be with you. Today, we look at our guest's unique approach to building a solid stream of passive income. Brian Grimes is a certified financial planner, and he is an Ivy League-educated real estate entrepreneur and coach. Upon graduation from Columbia University in 2011, he embarked on a career in financial planning. In 2015, Brian launched his own real estate development company and has since gone on to renovate 300-plus rental properties using the buy, rehab, refinance, rinse, and repeat strategy. So, Brian, tell us about a memorable experience from your formative years. I have a lot, and most of my memories from my formative years are surrounded by basketball. I'm six foot seven. Wow. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia under that, like, Allen Iverson era, we'll call it. So everything <laughs> in Philly was about basketball. And, um, you know, I spent all my time on the playgrounds. I got really good, nationally ranked, nationally recruited. And my first, uh, you know, high school game, I mean, going from middle school, you're playing in front of like sold out as 150 people. My first high school game was against some guy named LeBron James that I had never heard of. Um, wow. And there wasn't really YouTube and, you know, people were still on dial up. So it wasn't really YouTube and all these platforms where you could see people. So I have, you know, my, my 60 year old coach, He's going baseline and saying, oh, if he gets here, he's just going to go up and tomahawk dunk on you. And we're looking at him like, what is this guy crazy? This is high school. Anyway, long story short, we get flown out. Our team is ranked uh, top 10 in the country. LeBron is, I'm not sure what they were ranked, but they were high. We got all Americans. One's going to Duke. One's going to Vanderbilt. And on a a private jet, uh, we play at Akron University and we get there. And uh, it's sold out. I mean, it's 15,000 people at Akron University's gym that probably holds, maybe it holds wow. 12,000. I mean, people are everywhere. And this is my first experience with like a sea of people where you can't <laughs> see faces. It's just like colors. But that was a, an amazing experience playing against LeBron, sold out crowd, first high school game, uh, getting flown out. And that was transformative. But basketball in general has been like a, a microcosm for real life and for business. So a lot of my uh, skill sets, uh, leadership, team building, uh, I've applied it to real estate and it's, it's what made me successful going through those basketball experiences, trials, uh, failures, success, uh, how to handle pressure, kind of all of it. Wow. What a first uh, <laughs> high school game. How did you do? How did, how did the game go? I mean, LeBron had like 38, 20 and, and 12. I mean, he, he was insane. I mean, I describe him in high school because, I mean, he's still athletic now. You can see all these years. But in high school, he was almost so fast that if you were standing near him and you reached out to touch him and he was in a dead sprint, he was gone. He was two steps mm-hmm. ahead of you. I mean, he was wow. so much faster at that time. We uh, we only lost by like 10, I think. Really? Um, wow. But he was, I mean, the stuff he was doing was like amazing. I always describe this one play. We had a, a tip-off uh, play, and LeBron, they would tap the ball. Uh, we would tap the ball to our point guard, and he would throw up a lob to our power forward who played at Duke, lefty, 6'8", and he would just go up and, and tomahawk. 
So we run our play. We win the tip. We got a seven-foot center going to Vanderbilt. We give it to the point guard. He passes it up to our power forward. He goes up lefty, left-hand side of the basket. I mean, this guy's 246'8". And we're like, it's a dunk. Let's go. LeBron jumps out of nowhere. <laughs> cups the ball out of his hand. Wow. My, my jaw drops. Behind his back, throws it to his point guard. His point guard's going through the legs, looking in the stands, waving at the girls. And we're like, what's going on? He throws the ball up from our three-point line. And I look down the court. LeBron's catching it, and his chest is at the rim. And he's just, whoo. And we knew, oh, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> this is going to be a long night. So it was just, wow. it was an incredible game. I mean, the experience. Yeah. I don't think I have another. I have some good basketball experiences. But that was that was just insane. Um, yeah. Seeing what he could do and how he could fly at that age. But we we put on a good show. It was a good game back and forth. They won by like ten. Yeah. Wow. Well, I would think it would be really unusual for a high school player to have that kind of fame. How, how did that happen with a, a high school? With high school? Yeah. With LeBron. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, other fact that he was just fantastic. But I mean. Still, how did all the word get out to to build that kind of fame? I think it's it's just uh it's just the timing. Even with with what we're dealing with now, with the media, with you know YouTube, and just the news starts traveling much faster. Mm -hmm. And I think we were at a time where you know there were guys like Tracy McGrady and other people who were making that jump from high school to the pros for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a I think a right place, right time. There were certainly players who. Like, uh, you know, Dewan Wagner and other guys who were at that level and could make that jump. You know, LeBron's definitely, I mean, he's clearly special, right? We've seen all over all these years. He's just special. So yeah. when you get special guys like that, the media will just uh, create that buzz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not much of a sports fan, but even I have heard the name uh, LeBron. Yeah. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is interesting there well let's get into real estate brian and many of our viewers and listeners know what the brrr is but for those who do not tell us what that is i mean the the burst strategy is where you focus on what i would call either getting paid to build properties or building properties at a break even so when you execute the burst strategy at the highest level and you start to build at scale uh, where you can do cost-cutting uh, measures like getting a warehouse, getting your own dump trucks or fleet of trucks, where you can run at a fast enough speed and then manage your teams in-house. You can buy properties very low. So how I would describe it is you try to buy a property for $50,000. So buying low is where you can win. You want to renovate it. You put in maybe $50,000 of renovations, which is that rehab of the, the BRRRR that are. Once you rehab it, you want to try to put a tenant in it and refinance out of it. So you would tenant that property and then try to refinance out. So if I bought it for 50, invested 50, and now it's worth like 200,000 of an ARV, I should be able to go get a $150,000 mortgage on that property, have the tenant cover the mortgage and kick me a little bit of cash flow, take out that 150, I'll pay off the 100,000, the 50 to buy it and the 50 to renovate it. I'll make some money in a cash out refinance and then I'll do it again. So I'll recycle my capital over and over again. So at best, you can get paid to acquire and build and refinance out of properties. You can get paid in the form of that refinance, which is tax-free money, which is amazing. But your target at, at a worst case 
should be to try to break even. If you can acquire cash flow at a dead break even and keep recycling your capital, you can grow a massive portfolio as long as you're um, scaling appropriately and cutting your costs down as you grow. So that's how I describe that burst strategy is trying to get paid to build or build at a break even and acquire as many properties as you can before interest rates just you know skyrocket. Yeah. Well, you talk about a warehouse, your own crew, your own trucks, your own vehicles. Surely you didn't start out with all of that. So where did you start? So I started, I mean, I started with the house hack, right? And this is where a lot of us should should start with the FHA loan. So I b- bought my first property turnkey. And when I say turnkey, I mean, I closed, they handed me the keys. I was completely horrified, just petrified. And I bought this property kind of in my backyard in the neighborhood that I grew up in, which was like a C, but I bought it in like the B class part of the neighborhood. Bought it. It was a duplex with a knock-in basement unit. And I was going to live in the basement unit and uh, rent out the top two units and live for free. This was like a mind blowing to me. And I had a buddy who was doing it. That was my goal. So I did the FHA. I put down $7,000. I got a seller's assist. Uh, on this deal, and I didn't have to come out of pocket very much. I ended up renting that that entire building because I got a job in New York at a high net worth uh, investment advisory firm. So I ended up renting the entire building. It was making about a thousand dollars a month in cash flow off of this asset. Wow. And I bought that at the top of the market mm-hmm. in maybe like 2013. So mm-hmm. that was like my first deal, and it you know I got all my money out in seven months and then kept going. So that's where I started was with the house hack, but you quickly will find out debt to income ratio and some of these things will start to limit your ability to keep uh, house hacking and keep investing in that manner. So you have to, as you grow, learn more, get more educated and learn the development piece so that you can buy shells and properties that need rehab and leverage hard money and and bridge lenders and, and different types of strategies and portfolio lenders who will lend to you on like 100 plus properties so that you can continue to scale and grow your portfolio. So I started with nothing. When I first got into full gut renovation, I got burned for $40,000 by a GC. And then I learned, hey, I better build my own crew and start to take this extremely seriously or I'm going to be out of the business. Like it's, it's just not going to work where I can take my money and give it to somebody and hope for the best. It, uh, it just doesn't work. So I started with nothing and losing that money to you know a GC and having them just run off. That woke me up. It was actually good at the time. It woke me up and let me know I need to build my own systems, my own teams and and start even small so that I could have more control in that process. Talk us through that uh, process. You talked us through the house hack and then your next experience wasn't quite as successful, but it was (laughs) educational. Yeah, I should have described this. This is another formative uh, experience, right? So, when I first got into building my development company in Philly, I bought three shells on a, call it, like a really blighted C-class block. One was a burnout. One was a teardown. By teardown, I mean the roof was on the second floor. The second floor is on the first floor, and the first floor is in the basement. So you just walk in the, in the door, and you look up straight to the roof and straight down, and it's just trash. Yeah. And then the second one was a shell. I mean, the third one was a shell. So... I tried to attack these deals with the GC who ran off, ran off with all the money and they were gone. And now I'm stuck with uh, these shells and what I would call just a, a collective of 
subcontractors. Mm -hmm. But some of those subcontractors were actually reliable, even though the head guy wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I started to pull from them to assemble a team, pull some framers, pull some guys who know uh, structural type of load bearing techniques, and then pull some masons together. And we were able to build a small nucleus out of the kind of remaining guys. Mm -hmm. And from those guys, maybe five guys, was able to grow to a team of 100, 150 contractors organically. Mm -hmm. What happens is real estate, like if, if anybody's in sales, you kind of know this or have heard this, it can be a game of attrition. So if you survive, uh, more people come to you, more opportunity comes to you. In real estate, if you keep building and the word gets out that you, you're paying people on time, and you're treating your people uh, very well, more contractors will come to you, more people will flock to you. And before you know it, you'll have some of the best contractors in the city working at a, or any city or any municipality, working at a price point that is profitable long-term. Mm -hmm. So the process was getting the team and then selling the vision. The vision was, I would say everything, which is you can't just be the one deal person in this game. The one deal person gets the one deal price. When you become the volume player, you don't have to start with volume, but when you start talking volume, you'll attract people who want to be a part of that. And they'll work at a price point that allows you to scale into volume. So when I'm working on one deal, the conversation is, hey, by the time we're done this, I'm going to have two lined up. And then after those two, by the time we're done those two, I'm going to have four. And then you have to go out and make it actually happen. So you're talking to the lenders this way, the contractors this way, to everybody. You're the multiple deal person, multiple deal person. And it will naturally start to happen because you'll attract the lenders, the contractors, everybody necessary uh, to make that a success. Well, quite the process. So, um, so you got rid of the general contractor. In North Carolina, that wouldn't be possible. We have to have a general contractor. Is that the case in, um, in Pennsylvania, in New York, where you were working? Or how did you get around yeah, that? It's the, so there's, there's two ways. Like One way, you can become a GC. So... In a place like Philadelphia, especially at that time, there's no test to become a GC, which really? is why, it, yeah, which is, and it, it's like this in a lot of municipalities, right? Uh -huh. So this is why a lot of people get burnt because uh -huh. almost anybody could wake up one day and say, hey, I want to be a OMGP, GC. My yeah. uncle taught me yeah. something. I'm going to pay a $250 license fee, get some general liability insurance, and I'm a contractor. They take that hard hat right there, slap it on, and they're out, you know, in the market doing deals. So Philly well, at this time was like a, a wild west um, with that, which you could get that. But you can also have, you will also have some of your subs are licensed contractors with mm -hmm. the city. So they can pull permits and do everything. Right. But when I talk about being a GC to, you know, my students and people who are interested in taking control of their projects, it's not about necessarily being licensed. What the GC is, is the brain of the operation and the control mm -hmm. mechanism, the person who pays everybody right. and who manages the pace of the project and takes that, mm -hmm. takes that on and who buys the materials directly and makes sure they get to the property. That person is essentially the head of the job. Mm -hmm. And what you need to be is the head. Even right. if you have one of your, what I would call team leaders, who is a licensed contractor, but you're going to pay them and you're going to pay their people directly and you're going to control the materials and mm -hmm. the cost of the job and when you start doing that you're assuming the role of the gc and you will start to have more success mm -hmm. so 
that's that's how approach real estate because yeah. that is what protects you from getting burned. I see that as absolutely essential if you're going to do the burr process, the burr strategy. Mm-hmm. And of course, and I like your strategy there that you actually find one of the subcontractors that is actually licensed as a absolutely as a, a general contractor, and then you use their license even though you're not putting them in the position of actually being the GP, I mean, the GC. I have been through that same process uh, of being burned by general contractors. And it's not a fun place to be because uh, once you turn control over to them, you lose all control there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking us through that. That's uh, that was uh, exciting to hear that process there. So you you talk about the process of, of creating investment opportunities by enriching C class neighborhoods. Uh, you've touched on that, but take us through that a little bit more depth there. A lot of C class neighborhoods. I mean, the biggest issue that I found in the C class is blight, which is controlled by vacancy, right? So. When you go into most of these C-class neighborhoods, they're blighted. There's too many abandoned properties. Those abandoned properties get turned over to drug dealers, typically, who will hide drugs in them and start, you know, maneuvering. And that becomes a problem for the existing tenants and it starts to existing residents and it destroys morale within the community. Mm -hmm. So when I come into a C-class neighborhood, one, just the activity of you being there and building. And people coming by and watching you restore the neighborhood, it mm-hmm. starts to restore morale and it starts to boost pride in the community. So it's very, very good and uplifting. Two, you start to retenant these properties with like-minded people. So you might section eight, you might do room rentals, you might do uh, co-living, which is something that I, I love talking about. Um, but you start to create affordable housing and repopulate it. And when you start to repopulate, I mean, there's all types of economic benefits for the small commercial stores that are still within those communities, the, the money is bouncing several times within the community because there are more people there spending. Mm-hmm. So that starts to uplift things. But you're also putting what I call the eyeball effect into the neighborhood. So for every property you tenant, let's say you put in a, a single mother with three kids, you just put eight eyeballs in that property. These, these are more people who are going to be looking out for other people who might call the cops who are going to complain if there's riffraff, if there's different things going on Mm -hmm. in that neighborhood. And that starts to transform the neighborhood just by putting people in. Mm -hmm. You get rid of blight by building, putting people in, you start to get rid of vacancy and you start to increase the uh, circulation of money within the community. And it just starts to uplift uh, these neighborhoods. So C class can be very profitable because you can get properties affordably and the cash flow is typically higher because the tax property taxes are lower. If you're doing strategies like Section 8, you're pulling fair market values from the A and B class neighborhoods into the C class. So you're creating a wider profit spread from a cash flow standpoint. So I like to focus in on kind of what I would call the cusp of gentrification, but I don't gentrify with my, my strategy. So I like to put the same people who are from the community back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I found that that's been a, a good strategy. It's really meshed well with me and it's been highly profitable because it's a specialized skill set that not a lot of us uh, have to be able to go back into these neighborhoods and, and turn them around. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, your upside is, I find higher when you are all in on a deal for like a hundred, 125,000 or so that property can double or triple in value. When you're all in on a deal for half a million, 
there's only so much upside before it becomes unaffordable for the average American. So I love the C-class neighborhoods. I think it's a highly profitable opportunity if you know how to tap in. And there's never a limit on how many of these properties are just falling down. I mean, most of these cities were built in 1915. These properties are 100 years old. So having this skill set of how to repair and full gut renovate, it's a multi-million dollar skill set and opportunity. Yeah, I can I can see how that can be very, very profitable. It also is going to come with major, major challenges. You touched on the drugs, but I think that's probably just the tip of the crime issue that you're going to have to deal with. And that is a twofold thing. I mean, first of all, just the crime itself and the danger that residents are in because of crime-ridden area. But also, it's going to be a challenge to get new people to come into that area, particularly the caliber of people you want to have in your homes there. So how do you deal with the crime issue there? Crime, I, I mean, crime to some degree, and especially in a city like, you know, Philadelphia, or we'll call it like Baltimore. It's, a lot of this is if you go into a C-class neighborhood, so it's really understanding. The reason I think I have a lot of success in C-class and, and I'm able to guide people well, is because that's where I grew up. You know, I grew up in these neighborhoods. And when you're from these neighborhoods, you know that you can go into the worst zip code you can think of. There's still going to be good blocks. There's still going to be good pockets. There's still going to be good places to invest, even within the worst zip code. So a lot of this is a screening of location and area. So you're trying to find that area that is up and coming, even within the C-class neighborhood. So not in the gentrified uh, pocket, but maybe a mile out. But this is the good pocket. And there's a lot of developers here that are moving and shaking and building this out. The people will typically come for affordability. I mean, we're, we're looking at a massive recession right now. And when recessions happen, people move to C-class, not A-class. People start to seek out affordability. So when you're building affordable housing, you have what I would describe as insatiable demand. So what, what does that mean in layman's terms? Well, when I was building co-living units in Philadelphia, and COVID hit, March 2020, the beginning of the shutdown. If anybody can remember back to that, everybody was just horrified. What is this thing? People didn't want to go outside. People didn't want to do anything. I tenanted 100 co-living units between March 2020 and June 2020. 100 with affordable housing tenants because the demand was insatiable. And then it goes to tenant screening, understanding people beyond their credit score. Because when you when you get in the C class at times, it's like everybody's got bad credit. But I've had a tenant with 550 credit score pay me five months in advance and rent. So how do you get that tenant? There's a certain screening process. There's a way to understand uh, the tenant and a way to screen them that you need to learn uh, to be able to be successful in the C class. And that's something that you know I teach my students. A lot of it is probably because I grew up in these neighborhoods and just understand the people well. But that's also one of my principles. So the C-class is it's not for everybody. But um, one of my, my real estate mentors, his business partners are like Magic Johnson, T.D. Jakes. He does big commercial real estate all across the country. Uh, he's a Columbia basketball guy. So one of my good friends and mentors, he gave me a principle. The principle was invest where you know and you'll always be successful. And he gave me that principle when I was in my early 20s. And what that means is buy properties in neighborhoods that are kind of like the one you grew up in if they're not the exact one you grew up in. So buy where you know, you know to people who are like you growing up, people you understand, 
people who you can resonate with and you'll always be successful. So if you're from neighborhoods, B class or C class, you can have a lot of success. If you want to tap in there and you're not from there, you would need to probably tap into somebody like me who's been there, who can kind of guide you because it's, it is more profitable than the A class uh, to a degree. But that principle has made me, I'd say, more money than any, any principle that I've ever received for real estate investing. Buy where you know, rent to who you know, always be successful. Well, I've never heard it put quite that way, but that makes a lot of sense because I'm sure growing up in those neighborhoods, you just have an innate intuitive sense about how they operate and, and have an intuitive sense of the people within those neighborhoods who know how to make those neighborhoods work. And without being in that kind of environment, you just, you're going to lack that basic intuitive knowledge. Makes lots of sense there. We are running out of time here, but there is so much more I know you have to share with us. But tell our viewers and listeners what you have to offer and how it is they can uh, take advantage of that and get in touch with you. Oh, definitely. You know, after building out my portfolio, 300 plus rental properties, uh, I decided to turn my attention to reaching back out, you know, to people. Everybody wants to take you to a cup of coffee, but there's only so much I could give you in a cup of coffee or even even here. Uh, so I created the 24-7 Cashflow University where I break down step by step everything you need to do to go from no deals, no experience to building and scaling, you know, a hundred plus uh, rental property portfolio. If you're interested in affordable housing, uh, Section 8, um, co-living, which is kind of a new subset, we break it all down. We show you creative financing as well, which is uh, subject to lease purchase options, how you can get started with little to no cash, bad credit, no credit. Um, so how to really invest at a high level. We break it all down. So you can you can find me on Instagram, Brian Grimes underscore 24-7 Cashflow University, 247 Cashflow University. On YouTube, Brian Loves Cashflow. I drop a lot of free content there. Facebook, Brian Grimes. And then there'll be some links I'm, I'm sure uh, Alan will, will provide, uh, but www.workwithgrimes.com forward slash cashflow, uh, where you can tap into the free trainings that I put together for you guys that'll show you subject to and how to how to rehab properties and you know all of this stuff, how to full gut renovate property. So lots of free content. And then if you want to take the next step and uh you know work one-on-one, uh, we do have programs where we're even building properties, believe it or not, for our students. And we have people from Ontario and outside of the country who are tapping into US real estate uh, through our program. We're all about cash flow. We're all about breaking free from the nine to five and building, you know, that financial freedom where you're getting paid uh, even in your sleep. So we're all about that. And we even go the extra mile and we will build you a birth strategy style property at cost, cutting out the GC markups, buying the materials directly and managing uh, this remotely. So you could be at your kitchen table, having a property uh, built for you by somebody with 300 plus rehabs of experience. So just a lot of activity going on on this end. And I'm happy to I'm really happy to just be a resource uh, for people because I don't, me and Alan both got burned by contractors. You guys don't need to, <laughs> you know, it's a, we need to stop it somehow. So this is my way of, of kind of stopping it and uh, being able to show you how to do it the right way and, or just do it for you. And you can learn from that experience. Wow. That's quite a lot. So viewers and listeners take advantage of that. And yes, we'll have that information in the show notes. Brian, it has been a delight and a pleasure. Thanks for being with us today. Likewise, I appreciate you having me. Truly appreciate it.
Thanks so much. Enlightened investors, thank you so much for being with us. I look forward to being with you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.